So good to see each and every one of you, and so privileged and blessed to be able to have this opportunity to be together. And I trust that you will use your Bibles, make notes, whatever that will be a benefit to you in your study of God's Word, and certainly if there's anything that I say that you do not quite understand, it's our purpose to be understood, and I'm not always very articulate sometimes at saying things exactly the way that they ought to be said, and so to present a thing that you fail to that you misunderstand or fail to understand, certainly bring it to my attention. If there's anything that I teach that you think is contrary to God's will, certainly I'm going to be held responsible for it. Those that are teachers will receive the greater condemnation, and I realize the seriousness of that responsibility. So, so good to be with you. I appreciate the uh, invitation to be an ask. Thankful that there was obvious persistence in uh, allowing me to come since we first had the meeting scheduled and then uh, COVID, of course, has interfered with the lives of all of us in the last couple of years. So it's been times that we never would have been our wildest imaginations have imagined uh, the things that we have come through. And we still are not really sure how much farther that we have to go. So thank you so much for this time uh, being together. I want us to look at the subject of excellence. You know, I love this time of the year, and I know that there are many of you in the audience who enjoy this time of the year as well. To have that little nip of cool in the air when we get up in the mornings, and to a great many, it's this time of the year and a few weeks ago that the hype began. Football fans know what it's time to watch the pigskin get kicked around. And there's one thing that every fan wants out of their teams, and it's this. It's excellence. And we'll not accept anything less than that high standard of excellence. You know, any coach that is, <laughs> we sometimes use the term, worth a nickel, any coach that's worth his nickel is going to preach it, he's going to preach it, and he's going to preach it to the team that he coaches. In fact, Gene Chisnett, who coached Auburn, from 1909 until 1912, made this statement. You fight it when it doesn't look good. You fight it when everybody counts you out. You fight it when there's no way that anyone thinks that you can do it, but you, you keep fighting. And at some point, you're going to win. Nick Saban, of course, who coaches for Alabama, made the statement, somebody tells you to do something. Somebody sets a standard of how you're going to do it. You understand it, it's defined, and then you show that you have the ability and the accountability to do it that way. And don't worry, I didn't leave out Tennessee. (laughs) Derek Dooley, who coached Tennessee from 2010 until 2012, said, If you know adversity is going to hit you every day, 
bad things are going to happen and you treat it as an opportunity to do great things, then you generally do. You know, we may all of us get pumped up by the words of these coaches, but the one thing I've learned is a long time ago that really they're just borrowing from God. Coaches coach by principles. Principles are truths. And the truths that we build on. And if it is true, then God is the source of truth. And so then we're not surprised when the God of heaven calls us to excellence in all that we do as his people. But the problem is, the same principle, well, let me say it this way. The problem is the same people who long for excellence in their football teams, they fail to bring that excellence right here. Right here to the worship. And not only that, but they also fail to bring excellence in the daily lives that we live. I want us to listen to someone who said it long ago, long before Chizik and Saban and Dooley. I want us to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning with verse 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may attain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is tempered in all things. Now they do it to attain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one that beats the air. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. You know, that verse sounds like a coach, doesn't it? Look at what he's saying here. Run it like only one person can win. Strive for mastery. Put on. Put away. He's saying, do it right every time. Your prize doesn't fade away. Discipline yourself. Finish. We see all of that in just those verses that we read. I want you to understand that this sermon is for me. But I want all of us to listen in the hopes that God's message will motivate us all. Let me first demonstrate the need for excellence. Because what I want to do here is to share a few negatives from places that I've been. And don't get me wrong, some of these things are going to happen occasionally, yes. But we must never let them be deliberate. So understand that. 
It's not excellence when we fail to read our Bibles. It's not excellent when we fail to pray to God every day about our lives. It's not excellence to fail to meditate upon heaven and what it is that we need to do in order to go there. It's not excellence when we have to ask ourselves every Sunday, am I going to services today? It's not excellence when we arrive late after Bible study or after the worship has already begun. It's not excellence when we leave the services while they're still in progress. It's not excellence when we grab today's Bible class workbook, but we have not made any study, any preparation ahead of time. It's not excellent when Bible class teachers are not adequately prepared to teach their classes. It's not excellence when we fail to bring our children to those Bible classes, which is, of all places, the very place they need to be. It's not excellence when we have a Bible reading and the reader stumbles over the words because it's obvious that this is the first time that he's looked at those verses before getting up, before the crowd to read them. It's not excellent when a prayer is said so softly that there are only those that are sitting the nearest to the person praying that's able to hear him. And yet all of the while there's a microphone up front where the prayer could be said and everybody could hear and be able to say amen. And it's not excellent when the song leader picks out his songs just a few minutes before he gets up to leave. It's not excellent, <laughs> I didn't leave myself out, when the preacher, he goes all week and then he scours the internet and tries to get up on Sunday morning and preach somebody else's sermon. I know a good friend of mine, y'all probably don't know him, Hobo Eubanks. He said, uh, the best motivation for a sermon is 12 o'clock on Saturday night. But that's not excellence. Of course, he was just kidding. And on and on and on we could go. These are just, just a few things that happens all the time in some local churches. But we must be different because all of this has an effect upon the entire church. And God wants us to strive for excellence right here. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 12, Paul said, even so you since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Notice what it says, for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Edification is building up. It's to strengthen. It's to make better. 
But all of these things that we looked at just a moment ago, they don't build up. They don't edify. They don't strengthen. But that's what we must do. It must be all that we do for the edification of the church that we seek to excel. You know, when it comes to excellence, excellence begins at the top. And there's no more at the top than God himself. We serve a father who is excellent. In Psalm chapter 8 and verse 1, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all of the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. You see, not only do we serve a father who is excellent, we serve the Lord Jesus Christ, who is excellent. We serve the Holy Spirit, who is excellent. All three persons of the Godhead. And this is the constant that we are called to. And we yet still just don't concentrate on it like we should. But to this we are called. Notice in First Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 13, Therefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. Let's look at First Peter chapter 2, verse 21 beginning. And to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. See, this is what I must strive to bring into the pulpit every time that I stand in it. I don't know who made the statement. I lost track of who it was, but I didn't lose track of what he said. And I quote, A preacher who does not preach above where he is doesn't belong in the pulpit. And a preacher who does not strive to be what he preaches doesn't belong there either. So the bottom line is that every one of us should, every one of us must be striving to become a resemblance of Jesus. After all, what name do we wear? Is it not his name? that we wear in the name Christian? Certainly it is. And for that matter, the church is the living body of Christ on earth today. What I'm saying is that Jesus walks on the earth today in you and me. If we are the example of excellence that we should be. Think about all that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit has done for us. 
what did they deserve in return? Let's look at, I don't know if y'all have different song books, but I, I think that you probably have the song entitled, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. The fourth stanza of that song says, love so amazing, so divine, demands my life, my soul, and my all. So see what Christ has done for us, what God, what the Father, what the Holy Spirit has done for us. Yes, they deserve something from us in return. So excellence, let us understand that we have a high standard. And the standard that we have, do we even dare to lower anything other than excellence on our part? Excellence is to be imitated by every single member of the Lord's body. You know, because we are God's people, we should expect to see this spirit of excellence in each and every one of us. No one's to be the exception. You know, we sometimes hear and we sometimes use that word mediocre. Friends, to a Christian, that ought to be a bad word. It ought to be a nasty word that would in any way, shape, form, or fashion describe us in any aspect of our lives. I think Daniel is a good example of all of this. We know that he was a man in a foreign land, was he not? He had been captured by Nebuchadnezzar and taken down into Babylon. It's a stranger in a foreign land. Well, think about it. Are we, too, not strangers as Christians in a foreign land, much like Daniel? And in Daniel chapter 6 and verse 3, it says, Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. Now, why did Daniel excel? He excelled because it began where? It began in his spirit. He had an excellent spirit. And there were others of his group. They didn't like him. In fact, we find that, again, going back to Coach Saban, <laughs> he said, high achievers don't like mediocre people. And mediocre people don't like high achievers. And he's right. So, you see, the mediocre of Daniel's day tried to find fault with him. In Daniel, verse 4 of the chapter 6, let's see what they found. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no fault or charge because he was faithful 
nor was there any error or fault found in him. Now listen to that. Listen to what we read in those verses. Doesn't what is said about Daniel in those verses add up to E-X-C-E-L-L-E-N-C-E? -E -E? Excellence? It does. And so excellence, what is it? Well, excellence is taken, as far as us Christians are concerned, as we see in Daniel, excellence is taking every commandment seriously that God has given us. And two, we need to be striving for excellence in our lives. In, you know, simply putting Jesus first involves a number of things that we have to keep in mind. To really just simply put it, Jesus' death demands our lives. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those that live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Jesus' death demands my life. It demands your life. We strive for excellence over sin. In Ephesians chapter 4, notice it says, Therefore put in the way line, let each of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ, uh, God in Christ forgave you. Go back through those verses and see where it says let. See where it says do not. See where it says let no. See what it says, do not. See what it says, put away. You know, if, if we have a moment of weakness and we fail to bring it to God, we need to learn from it. We need to bring it to God. We need to learn from it. We need to play the next play. Because that's what life is. Life is a series of plays. Day after day after day, we live. Another quote. Always coming back. Always play the next play. No matter what happened on the last play. You can always play the next play. 
like it has a history and a life of its own. You can compete just as hard with just as much effort, just as much toughness, just as much discipline to execute what you are supposed to do, how you are supposed to do it, the way it's supposed to get done every play of the game. That's being a relentless competitor. I'm telling you, we need to be relentless Christians. Yes, we sin. And yes, the devil wants to discourage us, even after he has gotten us to sin. He wants to discourage us to say, what's the use? Just give up. There's no, you can't do it. No. Let's get up. Let's ask for forgiveness. And let's start over again. That's the spirit of excellence. And God had Paul to say it first in Philippians chapter 3, beginning with verse 7. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already attained or have already perfected or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things that are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And through in the end, in the end, we can be presented blameless before God. In, first, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 29, Verse 27 through 29. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles which is in, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. You see, if at the end, if at the end of everything that we do in this life, we fail to produce this kind of a person, then let me tell you, we have failed. I don't care what we have made of ourselves career-wise, I don't care what we made of ourselves financially. If we fail to make ourselves what Paul talks about here, perfect in Christ Jesus, 
mature, then we fail. See, being Christ-like, that's what we're after. That's the excellence that we're striving for. We need to be strong, and we need to be striving for excellence in our daily praises to God. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. OMG, <laughs> that's got to go. What do we text it or what do we say it? You know, there must be no low level, there must be no improper uses of God's excellent name. In Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 6, it says, Listen. For I will speak of excellent things, and from the opening of my lips will come right things. We need to be striving for excellence when it comes to our worship and our work for God. You know, what that's about is focus. In our worship and in the things that we do as Christians it needs to be for God and that's what needs to be the focus moment by moment whether it's throughout the services that we're having here or moment by moment in every day that we live upon this earth outside this assembly intense focus on truly giving God our ears, our mouths our minds and our hearts we need to let gratitude flow from our hearts to him. Remember in Malachi chapter 1, what were they doing? They were bringing the blind, the halt, and the maimed to sacrifice to God. And in regards to those sacrifices, do you remember the statement that they made that Malachi records for us? He said, oh, what a weariness it is. Is that what it was this morning to come to the services? Remember what God said? Offer this to your governor. You know, really, the way I look at that, what Malachi and what God is saying is, why don't you just shut the doors and go home? If this is the best you can do. God says, I deserve better. I deserve more. And there's no way we can argue with that. He does deserve the best. He does deserve our all. In Ezekiel, God wants worship for those who really are striving to live excellent in every aspect of their life. In Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 31, this, I think, describes a lot of people on Sunday. <laughs> so they come to you as people do. They sit before you as my people, and they hear your words, 
but they do not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their hearts pursue their own gain. Indeed, you are to them as a very lovely song of one who has a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. But they hear your words, and they do not do them. We need to be striving for excellence in what I would call the spiritual disciplines. By that I'm talking about daily listening as we open our Bibles. Daily pouring our hearts out to God through prayer. Daily thinking about where am I spiritually? To what extent can I better myself spiritually? We need to strive for excellence in our homes. In Proverbs chapter 31, verse 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. Notice that? You excel them all. How? How? She worked for excellence. She strived for excellence. She was driven for excellence. For herself, for her family, for the Lord. You see, wives need to do it. Husbands need to do it. And we, as parents, need to encourage our children to do it. Do our children see excellence in us? In the conclusion of our study, if we will bring this attitude of excellence, this spirit of excellence like what Daniel had, and we bring it in, in, and put it into action in everything that we do, we're going to hear the Lord say something wonderful to us in that last day. And this is what it will be. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. What's he saying? Good job. Well done. Excellent. If there's anyone in the audience this morning that has once obeyed the gospel, can you really categorize your life, characterize your life 
as a Christian, as excellent? What are the areas that we need to work on? We all need to work on those areas. But if there are areas in our lives where our excellence has slipped so badly that we have allowed sin to enter, we need to repent of those sins. We need to have a determination of heart and a focus to put ourselves back on the right track. We went through that straight gate to become a Christian, but we walked the broad way. We know where that leads. It leads to destruction, does it not? Let us put ourselves back on the narrow. Yes, it's difficult. It's not easy. If it was easy, there would be no hell. Everybody would be going to heaven. So it's not easy. It's a wide gate and it's a broad way that leads to destruction. Much easier. Much more suited to the human nature that all of us have if we've not disciplined it. If we've not tempered as a Christian and you have sin in your life be willing to repent of that sin put yourself through the forgiveness of our Lord if we if we confess our sins he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness we can put ourselves through the blood of Christ back on that narrow way Maybe you're here and you've never obeyed the gospel. But whether you have never obeyed the gospel, you know what we're talking about when we talk about excellence because you want excellence in your life. But there'll never be true excellence unless you're a child of God. You may have the best education. You may have the best job that a person could want. You may have and live in the best community of town and the prettiest house. You may have all of that. But you're not going to have what it takes to hear this. Well done, thou good and faithful servant, because you're not a servant of the Lord. Yes, you're a servant to your family. You're a servant to society. You're a servant to your job. You're a servant in a lot of other ways, but here's what counts. Being a servant of God. And you can do that today through the faith that comes from the hearing of God's word, through repenting of your sins, with your mouth making that confession that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that you're going to make him Lord and ruler of your life and be buried with him in baptism, where you will contact the blood that will wash away your sins. Are you subject to these of these invitations? Now is the time. Today is the day. Let us be of help to you, and do so by coming to the front. While together we stand to sing.